The Sunday Grill with Crane and Crane Insurance. To compare motor and home insurance quotes across multiple different insurers, see craneandcrane.ie. This should have been Rosa Trilly weekend, but the event was cancelled for the first time in its 61 year history. It's a very different time to two years ago when the Rosa Trilly Festival made history thanks to two Southeast women. Waterford Rose Kirsten Mate Mar, of course, was crowned Rosa Trilly and in doing so became the first African Irish Rose to win. And my next guest was the first mother to make the finals. She was Carla Rose at the time, Shauna Lacey, and she attended the event with her partner, John. And then three-year-old daughter, Emmy, she joins me this morning to look back at her Rosa Trilly experience. Hi, Shauna. Oh, hi, Ola. How are you? I'm doing so <laughs> well. Uh, we follow each other on Instagram and I'm really enjoying the photos that you're putting up from your Rosa Trilly experience. Has it been a quick two years or does it seem like ages ago? No, I, I tell you, like, I just, I remember, like, two years being uh, crowned Carlo Rose. And it just, I feel like I've had the sash for 10 years, to be honest. It's just not leaving me. <laughs> Do people, Honestly. are you now, you know, are you Shauna Lacey, who was Carlo Rose two years ago? Is that kind of your title in Carlo these days? Yeah, absolutely. Like, and well, I still, like, even when I'm down doing some shopping or, you know, going clothes shopping, at least people will say to me, oh, that's the Carlo Rose. And, and then people will say to me, oh, you, can you use your sash and can you go here? And I'm like, oh, no, you know, I... You don't use it after you kind of after your your year is up, but officially I am still the Carlo Rose, and it's just it's not leaving me. Good and keep it. It's a lovely title to have. Take us back then, Shauna, to over two years ago, and when you decided to go for the Carlo Rose, why did you decide to go for it? I went for it for it because I just at the time I remember um, I got tagged in a post on Facebook and I said oh sure I can't do that I have a child mm. and then I remember someone saying to me no no you it's, it's changed you can have children now you know it's, it's all altered so I said you know what imagine I did and I was crowned the first ever mother Rose of Trilly mm. so I kind of wanted to make a little bit of a difference so I went for the Carlo Rose and thankfully I was crowned and it was the most amazing night ever. And I, I was so proud of myself. And having Emmy along the way with me and my partner, John, it was just the most surreal feeling ever. Like, I just couldn't believe it. And I remember, like, looking at the sash and thinking, oh, my God. Like, And I remember, like, replaying the the years of watching the Rose of Tralee when mm. I was younger and thinking, oh, my God, I'm going to be one of those girls on the stage with <laughs> Dahi oh my God, like, that's going to be me. So I just I just wanted to use that platform to to show the real and the relevant Ireland. I think you and Kirsten, really, you're very typical of young women in 2018. Absolutely, and Kirsten is amazing. And she got to share her wonderful story as well, which is, is very relevant also. So it was great to have us there. And all the other roses as well had their own... Um, bit to add as well. Mm. So I was delighted that I got to share my Mammy Rose experience with everybody and to speak about that. Was it, not questioned isn't the right word, but I suppose there's always been an argument that the Rosa Tralee is for a certain age group and a motherless girl. Mm. And obviously the rules were changed and, and you entered. But were you ever questioned along the way about having a child? Yeah, Absolutely. I remember 
when the Rose Trilly the Carlo Rose started to recruit and I remember um a couple of people were saying to me, Oh, I hear you're in that and I was like, Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna go for it, why not? And they said, Oh sure, you have a child, sure, what are you doing that for? You won't be able to commit to something like that. That's not gonna be something for you. Isn't that not for um twenty to twenty three year olds that don't have kids? And I just thought to myself, No, like we as women are strong and we're powerful. We can multitask. We can do anything. And I just thought, I'm going to go here and I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to do the best that I can and, and to use that platform to, to, to show that. You are so authentic. I think that's the word to be used for you when you think back on your chat with Dahi. You were, you were very honest about your family and struggles with addiction. Was that hard to do? Well, it, it was hard, but... You know, I just, there's there's such a stigma around addiction and, you know, and especially when you have parents and you live in a small town, you know, people might try to paint you with the same brush. Mm. And for me feeling that way, I thought, you know, a lot of other people are in my situation and not just, you know, addiction is in all forms or like, you know, it can be eating, it can be gambling, it can be absolutely anything. And, you know, the people all over the like all over the world and and as I said every second home in Ireland is affected with it Mm -hmm. so I just wanted to share my little story and just to help and inspire other women even children and anybody who was watching and just inspire them really. Two years on what are your lasting memories of the Rosa Trilly? I can remember vividly like being on that stage with Dahi looking down when I was singing Crazy World. For your dad, would you dedicate it to your dad who passed away? Absolutely, That must yeah, have been so tough. It was, but I remember when I was singing the song, and you can see, if you look at the video, it's on YouTube, you can see, like, my kind of, I'm, like, trembling, really. But I remember singing that song, and, and just as it was playing, I could just get these flashbacks of being in the car with my daddy and, you know, hearing the song. And then as I looked down, I see my partner, John, holding Emmy up in the air and she waving at me. And that just, oh, it was, that was, and and then after my performance, Orla, like everyone in the dome stood and it just raised the hair on my arms that everybody, I, I got a standing ovation. I just couldn't believe it. How gorgeous. Well, you have the sash and those memories forever. Kind of a weird weekend for anyone who enjoys or has taken part in the Rosa Tralee with there being none on and I, I suppose it really hurls the end of the summer when the Rosa Tralee is on so it's strange not to have it on the television this weekend. Yeah it is and for the first time in 61 years you know the Rosa Tralee it draws tens of thousands each year and you know it's known globally for bringing the Irish community around the world together and you know celebrating our Irishness our heritage and culture. And just, you know, I think it's going to be an awful, an awful situation for, for women and for the escorts who, who are going to, you know, go beyond the age restrictions now. Mm-hmm. I wonder, will something be done about that? Yeah, I but, hope uh, so. The festival, absolutely, but the festival isn't just two nights, you know. People think it's the Monday and the Tuesday. It's not. It's such, it's a big, massive festival down in Tralee, like, and it draws tens of thousands, as I said, but, you know, we travel down every year and we will continue to travel down when everything settles, hopefully.
well fingers crossed you get to go down there in 2021 and that Emmy gets to go with you um, it's lovely to talk to you and to bring back those memories from two years ago and congratulations as you said you will always be our Carla Rose Shauna thanks a million for talking to us this morning you're very welcome Marla. thank you The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103 Well I don't think I've ever said the following sentence on the Sunday Grill before my first guest this morning is a Waterford man who along with two others is travelling through Ireland with a horse Dara Morgan is currently in County Kerry and he joins me from his travels to explain more Hiya Dara Hi Orla how are things? Great how are you getting on on your horse? All good now all good Um, we're three weeks into the journey at the moment so uh, it's been hectic but great so far Okay let's ask you the important questions what's your horse called? Uh, Samphire Samphire very yeah, nice yeah. name. And Samphire yeah. has a cart, is that right? Yeah, so it's a traditional uh, cart um, from Leon, uh, is the cart that we're going in. And the horse is actually owned by Dara Carroll. And we're bringing a fire from Valencia to the middle of Ireland, which is Ishnock, which is a culturally significant place. Um, so that's, that's really the journey, you know. So you're bringing a what? To the middle of Ireland? A, fo- a fire. So it's a, it's a crazy story. And Dara has really like made this story amazing. So he started his journey from Norway, bringing this fire on a boat, a traditional Colin Archer boat, okay. um, a wooden. And he sailed all the way from Norway to Valencia Island carrying this fire. A fire? So this fire... Yeah, like yeah, what fire. kind of fire? Like, uh, where is it? Is it in a box or what is it? Yeah, so it was in a traditional um, burner, so a metal stove okay. in his boat, right. and that's how we actually crossed paths. Because one of my friend was working on the boat with him for a few days. He pulled into Dunmore East, and we cooked up, had a great time, and then the fire really is like an Olympic torch. Mm. It, so we're bringing. The fire has came from Norway all the way to Valencia Island. And basically, the metaphor for it and the significance is kind of keeping that fire lit, you know, through bad times, which Dara sank his boat. He <laughs> went in stormy seas through good times when the weather is lovely, keeping that fire lit. The same as with a mental health side of things, mm. keeping the fire lit inside you. You have to keep the fire lit in good times, in bad times, etc. And the fire has never gone out. The fire has never gone out. That's amazing. Yeah, it's like our baby at night. You know, we're trying to keep it it lit the whole time. And of course, there was a storm. There was a storm during the week and a fairly bad one on the west coast of Ireland in Munster where you are in County Kerry. How did the fire do during that night? So we we have a tarp and we have a kind of a set up around the fire. Uh, So it did well, you know. (laughs) We had to repair the tarp a lot of times and... Um, it nearly fell into the fire and there was lots of uh, clear miss, close misses, you know, but uh, we survived anyway and the, the fire has kept going. That's that's all that matters. Wow, that's amazing. Now, you are travelling with this fire and with Samfire the horse and a traditional cart from Leon um, to raise money for homelessness in Dublin and for mental health charities as well. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Okay. That's right. And obviously you talked about the fire staying lit um, and that is a metaphor for our mental health and always to keep going. Um, but why Dublin Homelessness too as a charity? So um, me and my friend um, Glenn Murray who is also a chef and on this journey so three of us are 
on this cooking journey as well. So going from communities to communities, cooking up, putting on feasts. Um, so what we did in Cahar Savine actually was put on a community cook-up for the people in direct provision, refugees, things like that. And we were very passionate about the homelessness issue in Ireland, especially in Dublin today. So we picked that charity um, as one of our choice, you know, along the way. Okay. Um, it sounds very busy where you are now. How have the travels been? I, your, your Instagram, and if you want to follow, one of the Instagrams to follow is Live Life Sexy on Instagram. Yeah. Um, your Instagram is all about cooking on rocks. You really are back to basics with this journey, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. The whole journey is going back to the traditional ways. And, you know, Dara Carroll, who is basically, you know, the motivation behind this journey and where this journey came from, he was worked in various Michelin star restaurants along the way. And he's basically has such a passion for cooking. And it's bringing that cooking back to a traditional way because Ireland, our country, with COVID and stuff, people are traveling around Ireland and they see how beautiful Ireland actually is and how beautiful our horticulture, our agriculture, our food is. And we're just basically cooking off everything from Ireland, foraging from the land, making nettle soup, things like that, and just getting people to experience that. So three weeks ago, you were minding your own business in Dunmore East and this boat... With a horse? No, not with a horse, I presume. No, no, just just a boat, just a boat. <laughs> Comes in with another Dara on it. He tells you a story that he's travelled from Norway with this fire and he's going to travel through Ireland to get to the centre of it with the fire. And you said, sure, yeah. I'll join this fella. Yeah, I said I'll jump on. Sure, nothing else to do. <laughs> what was it about his story that kind of grabbed you and thought, I'm going to do this? Well, there was something that draw, uh, drew drew me to it, Orly. You know, um, the past while I've been working in an office, and you know, it's it's great. But I thought there was something else there, and this opportunity just arose. And I just thought, geez, I would be mad not to go on this journey. Like, think of the amount of people that are on journeys. When can you ever say you travel through Ireland on horseback, mm. and also raise? funds along the way and do something really good with that you know so that'd be amazing so no regrets no regrets no regrets good stuff what have been your highlights what is standing out in your mind over the last three weeks uh the definite highlights was um valencia island and all the people that we met so joe daly a farmer put us up for a while we cooked for him he played the illum pipes for us it was just amazing to chat to someone like that. He talks about family, kids, his farm. Then going to Cata Savine and conversing with the local community, they all banded around us together. We have videos on that if you want to have a look on our Instagram. Mm -hmm. And then cooking for refugees. There was actually a Syrian woman who came up to me and Dara and she was with tears in her eyes and she said, like, this is the way that we used to cook in Syria off the stones. And it kind of brought her memories back to to her home place and I just thought I went to bed feeling very very good because you know in direct provision centres there's been a lot around that and giving them that sense of community and integrating them in with the community in Cartersavine was it was so fulfilling you know so yeah, and you're only in your early 20s Is, has this made you think about what you want to do with your life definitely yeah yeah it's a life changing experience for me you know 
um, when you get to do that and you see things like that, um, I definitely have a, a, a passion now from feeding off the lads' passion for cooking, you know, and, and getting people involved in foraging and basically Irish history, horticulture, agriculture, like I said. Great. Well, it definitely is a trip of a lifetime. And were you someone who, you know, was used to having horses in your life or was that a completely new experience for you? I know you're from the coast, so travelling along the coast is no bother to you, but travelling along the coast on a horse is a bit different. Yeah, definitely. It's a bit different. Like the the horse, I never had horses before, so that was uh, trying to get accustomed to that and um, rigging them up and everything was... uh, (laughs) was a bit um was a bit tricky but look um it, it was a great learning experience and the horse is bulletproof you know Dara got him from a man in Limerick called Paddy Hanley who worked with horses um on movies like uh, the Pirates of the Caribbean and stuff like that uh, so he was a very experienced horse and a very well behaved horse thank god so uh, there's not too much um hassle in that respect and do you like him? Do you like Samfire the horse? Oh, I love Samfire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and what happens to Definitely. Samfire when this is all over? Does it go back to your man in Limerick? So it's Dara's horse. Okay. Um, so basically it's it's up to Dara what he wants to do. But I think um, he will put up, um, you know, a uh, travelling wagon basically and cook from that. I think that's Dara's plan for after that. Oh, great. Well, a really unusual and exciting story as well. Um, only yeah. a few weeks left, have you, of your travels? Yeah, so we only have a few weeks left. Um, we're thinking our next big location is Limerick, where we're going to do a cook-up for the homeless in Limerick. And uh, we're going to get a few barbers that we're in contact with to uh, cut hair for the homeless uh, there in Limerick and okay. we're going to do a big cook up um, and then we're going to move on to the Hill of Ishnock where the fire will be put out um, and that's the end of the journey so if you'd like to follow the journey it's either at Live Life Sexy or at Dara Morgan 98 on Instagram and you can donate to our links there as well so that would be brilliant if you could do that Brilliant well listen enjoy the rest of that journey um, as you said those Instagram accounts are Live Life Sexy if people want to check out your journey so far or your own Instagram which is Dara Morgan 98 listen best of luck to you say hello to Samfire and the rest of the crew for us and thanks a million for talking to us on the Sunday Grill Dara Thanks a million Orla The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103 Well, my next guest has started a new and innovative after-school second-level educational centre in Carlow. Niall Murphy is the Director of Education and Studies at the Carlow Academy and he's on the phone this morning to tell us more. Hi, Niall. Hi, how are you? I'm very good, thank you. Well, a new school or a new after-school during a pandemic, just an extra challenge to add to the list of starting a new business, eh? It most certainly is, Orla, but um, I think it's definitely a much-needed kind of aspect um, in light of, I suppose, current guidelines. Um, I suppose many schools around the area, unfortunately, may not be able to um, to provide evening study for their students. Mm-hmm. So I suppose what the Cardo Academy hopefully is going to offer for those students is an after-school study centre and after-school grind centre for students to avail of six days a week um, over 24 hours. Now, is this something that you came up with during the pandemic or is it something that you thought was needed before all this happened? Would you believe, Orla, like literally this all began back in September, October. Okay. I'm teaching myself the last 13 years. I'm a French and math teacher and I kind of feel at this stage that I've kind of mastered my subjects. 
Uh, I'm very passionate about teaching and learning and about obviously developing um, the confidence within young people. So basically last September, October, I began looking at commercial rental properties and um, I found the perfect location um, just above the book station along Tuller Street. And I applied then for a change of use uh, planning permission from retail to educational. And that took a 10-week period. So literally, that only kind of roughly came through around the time of the lockdown on the 12th of March. Mm -hmm. So I basically began all of this before I knew COVID was going to hit. <laughs> but, but So basically, it was a venture that was in my mind um, over the last, I suppose, year or two to get up and running. And was it I think always something you were going to start in September 2020? Yes, because it was in my mind for the last year or two in particular. I was kind of saying, do you know what? There's something that I really want to get involved in. I know I'll be working during the day in my own school and I'll be doing this in the in the evening time. Um, so it'll be very, very busy. But um, I'll step up to the mark and I'll do my very best for the for Carlow Town and the surrounding areas. This is kind of a new phenomenon, isn't it? The idea that a student can leave their school and also leave their home and go and study somewhere else. Um, it's something I definitely could have done when I was in Leaving Cert because I was a terror for just watching television <laughs> or doing anything but study. Whereas this supervised idea that's not necessarily in your classroom or your school seems to have really caught on here in Ireland. Do you know what I think it is, Orla? I think it's the idea of that basically when you per purchase one of the packages, you are then entitled to your own study space. Mm. So you're assigned a desk with a number on it. And you basically have that desk for either the term, if you book for the term, or for the entire year, if you book for the year. So basically, it's kind of like having your own kind of, you know, desk that you would have in your house. But basically, it's under strict routine of, you know, silence, and everybody follows the kind of same rules, and everybody's there for the same purpose. Uh, you're definitely right in what you're saying in relation to it's kind of the new buzz thing that's going on in the educational world with a lot of these kind of study hubs and grind hubs being set up. Um, but I definitely, I know from listening to parents over the last 10 years or so, uh, they always say they find it very hard to get grinds in different subjects. They also find it very hard to uh, get their, their children into, a, I suppose, a strict study routine. Mm. And I suppose that's what's something that the Carlo Academy is going to pride itself on because at the end of the day, we all know education is key. And uh, I think a service like this is needed uh, for parents, especially at this time where the kids have been out of school for over about five and a half months at this stage, mm -hmm. or six months. Mm -hmm. I think school is going to be quite a, you know, stripped-backed process, to describe it that way, I suppose. Whereas the academy, I feel like we've got lovely well-being quotes on the walls. And, you know, I just, I think when you come into it, there might be a more kind of sense of relaxation and kind of calmness amongst all of the craziness that's going on in the media and the world at the moment. Let's go back to what you said about students kind of renting their own hotspot. Will that yeah. work with restrictions then and ongoing um, different rules that keep popping up as we carry on with this pandemic, that they'll have their own space and won't really be able to move anywhere else? Yeah, so basically the way it's kind of going to work, Orla, is that the kids are going to be required to enter the premises. Uh, we have a one-way system in place so they can enter in via Tuller Street and they exit then uh, via Charlotte Street. And literally, they just have to wear the face masks coming in uh, and then as soon as they're seated at their desks, um, they then can remove their mask. But if they need to leave their desk for any reason, they'll have to put the mask back on. Now, the way we've laid out the desks is we're very lucky. We actually have about 3,500 square foot of space for the study centre. So they will be well spaced out, probably over the two metres apart, to be honest. And so basically then, Orla, um, each day then we have antibacterial spray that will wash down each of the desks. But as I was saying previously, each student, if they book um, a full year package or a term package, they will be assigned their own desk number. They will be the only student sitting at that desk 
uh, for that entire term or full year. So I suppose under those kind of um, under those kind of um, restraints, um, the students will be well protected. Yeah. So they book a desk, but a bit like the gym, you pay for the gym, you don't necessarily have to go to the gym. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. it's up to the student to get up and walk or cycle or whatever to Tullow Street and yeah. use that hot desk. You're not you're not logging them in or logging them out or anything. Oh well, we will be keeping attendance records, and if oh, anybody okay. is if anybody is absent, you know, unexplained, uh, we will be in contact with the parents or the guardian um, straight away, obviously for child protection guidelines, but also. Um, if if parents can let us know, like, you know, at least 24 hours in advance if their child was not attending, well, then at least we know when we're marking the attendance role that the absence has been explained. Okay. But if it's unexplained, we will contact the guardian. So there parents, is, yes. it's, it's not about, oh, you, you rent that and you do what you want with it. You actually have to attend these study times for a certain amount of time of the uh, during the week. Is that right? Yes, exactly. Okay. It's, it's quite similar to school where, like, you know, all the guidelines have to be followed. And obviously, um, health and safety is our number one priority, but also, like, child uh, safety as well would be another major priority of ours. So uh, everything will be monitored. If there's any, you know, everything will be recorded on the system. We've got everything set up for that. So, like, parents will be well informed throughout the year of, I suppose, the progress of the child within the study centre okay. uh, with their attendance records and also within our grind centre in relation to their performance there as well. Okay, brilliant. So a little, an, an extra step as well, not just sitting in a room and doing nothing, but you're also offering weekly grinds which are available there on site as well. Um, extracurricular yeah. subjects like applied maths, leaving cert ordinary level French. There's even Polish and Russian in there as well. And are they for people who are coming to your educational centre or are they for people who choose not to rent a hot to rent a desk from you so basically um you can attend both you can do the study center and the grind sub if you wish to do so and if not you can do it separate because as you enter the premises when you walk up the stairs and you turn right that brings you straight into the study center and when you walk up to the top of the stairs you're brought into the grind center so they're actually completely separate which also once again is very safe for i suppose under the current conditions of the covid uh, 19. Um, so basically it can be separate. Uh, you can do either or or like, yeah. Okay, good stuff. Well, some food for thought there for parents and students in the Carlo area. If you want to check out the website, it's carloacademy.ie which is on Tullow Street in Carlo Town above the book centre there as you said, Niall. Um, and loads of details on your website as well of the different schools in Carlo and how far away you are, be it cycling or walking from school. So people, people can literally leave school and walk to the study centre if needs be. Yes, and there's plenty, if they are cycling and stuff, there's plenty of those bike rails, etc. around. And it's very, I'm just very happy how um, how central it actually is overall, to be honest. Um, the fact that it's along Toller Street, it's very close to, to four out of the six schools in particular in Carlow, yeah. Okay, and I was actually doing a little bit of research, like there is about 3,200 secondary school students across those six schools here. But it's not only those schools as well, Orla, I suppose we're catering for things like, you know, Castle Dermot mm. and Boris and Bagnellstown mm, and those totally. kind of areas as well because like they're only 15, 20 minutes drive. Even Kilkenny yeah. is not that far away. So, I mean, it's kind of a local but it's also a national and also we're going to be selling our notes online as well on a national scale. Okay. So you can buy like French and maths and other subjects will be added there as well as the year goes on. So I suppose it's a kind of a business that is not only kind of, I suppose, two-dimensional, it's going to have legs that's going to grow. But the only way it's going to grow is if we have local support uh, to help us grow. Okay, great. As you know, at this particular time, it can be quite difficult, I suppose, to mm-hmm. set up um, a business. 
But I suppose, I think education, I feel, is always kind of put to the forefront. Mm -hmm. And I'm hoping that we will be supported and we will have a long-lasting, sustainable business um, to provide to the future generations of secondary school students in Carlow. Okay, well, best of luck with it. As I said, that website is carlowacademy.ie on Tullow Street in Carlow Town. Best of luck with it, Niall, and best of luck with getting back to secondary school as well in September. Orla, can I just mention one last thing? Yeah, then we course. do have an open evening next Friday, the twenty eighth of August, from okay. four o'clock to eight o'clock. Okay. Um, so we would love as many people as possible to come in via the entrance along Tuller Street and to see basically the the brilliant renovations that have been done by the team of tradesmen and by uh, my family and friends have been very supportive as well. Uh, there's going to be lots of different things there over the four hour period, and there's also going to be a booking station can actually reserve and book your place. Okay, good stuff. Uh, and do you have to book that open night by appointment? No, no, basically it's going to be a one-way system, Orla. Uh, you'll kind of follow the arrows kind of idea around. You'll get to see the first floor, the study centre, walk around there, see all the different bits mm. and bits there. And then you'll be able to go to the, up to the top floor, to the grind centre, and then you'll be able to exit via the back door. So it's very it's very safe, but ideally we would have to wear face coverings, etc. Yeah. Okay, good stuff. Yeah. Well, Niall, best of luck. You've thought of lo- lots of things there. Uh, <laughs> carloacademy.ie is the website, and I hope it goes well for you. Thank you very much, Orla. Thank you. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. You know by now that face masks are part and parcel of our everyday lives. They've become part of my online shopping cart even. I love a nice design. But now that they need to be worn in shops and on public transport, it's created a new skin problem called maskne. Dr. Clodagh O'Shea is a facial aesthetics expert at Beacon Face and Dermatology in Dublin. And she's also the co-founder of an online skin consultation practice practice called Yuva and she's on the phone to help this morning. You're very welcome to the Sunday Grill. Thank you. It's great to it's great to be here. Thank now, you for having me on. No problem at all. We do know now that there's lots of consequences to mask wearing from face your steamed up glasses to the effects mm-hmm. on the environment if you're using disposable ones and now mask me. But I I suppose a pandemic trumps all those problems really, doesn't it? Of course, we have to weigh up the pros and cons of staying safe. But certainly mask-related acne has become an issue for many in recent times. Um, due to, as you said, the general public are now wearing them on public transport, in shops and work. So we have seen um, a big increase with skin issues are they people coming who, back to work. And are they people who would usually have skin issues or is it something new for some, for some people? It can certainly be a new phen- phenomenon. Now, what I would say is that any issues you may have had before wearing a mask can be worsened by wearing a mask. However, if you were prone to acne beforehand, this certainly will, will make it worse or if you're, um, if you're susceptible to acne. Now, the, certain, the type of acne that masks are causing is a subtype of acne called acne mechanica, which is a form of acne that anyone can get. Um, we would have seen it before this era, we would have seen it commonly in athletes and students. Um, but it's, it's triggered by excess heat, pressure, friction or rubbing of the skin. And I presume where the masks are is where the problem is or does it spread? No, uh, clues that your acne are, if your acne, clues that your acne is acne mechanica is um, if your skin is relatively clear in other areas, but you're breaking out in strategic spots, like around your mouth or along your cheek where your, where your mask would naturally sit. Okay. Is it a certain type of skin type that ends up with this maskne? Like if you've quite oily skin, is that what the problem mm. is? Certainly teenagers, uh, anyone with hormonal issues, oilier skin types would be more prone. 
okay. developing this type of acne. Absolutely. And then is it a certain type of mask? A certain material? So when it comes to masks, I would say if you are wearing disposable ones, just to ensure that you are disposing of them regularly. I am a big fan of a 100% cotton mask. Mm-hmm. Um, the guidelines state that it should be three layers. Okay. And my advice would be to wash your mask regularly if you have a cotton mask. Mm-hmm. Wash it with warm water and antibacterial soap. Uh, wearing synthetic fabrics can indeed worsen acne because the... Um, they trap heat against the body so they're going to worsen the acne mechanica that we spoke about. I suppose it is, you know, something like acne or any skin condition can be quite anxiety driven for people because your face is on show with or without a mask. Some part of your face is on show. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And to tell the truth, masks are definitely causing a lot of this acne. But on top of that, people are going through a lot of psychological stress mm. and anxiety during this pandemic. Everyone is suffering in some way. So we know that stress has um, an effect on acne and on our skin. It has a direct effect. So I think stress, anxiety, um, a lot of people's diets may have changed. During the lockdown, people are working from home. They may have, um, they may be eating more sugar. Um, and also, If you think about it, and something I've noticed myself is I'm definitely drinking less water because when a mask is on, I'm slow to take it off to drink water. Mm -hmm. So I think that's affecting people as well. So we need to take into account all of these changes. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so wash your mask regularly um, Mm -hmm. with warm water and some sort of antibacterial wash. Um, Yes. Cotton masks are the way forward, yes? I think so. Okay. Cotton or silk. Okay, perfect. Um, as long as they're breathable, that's okay. the main thing. And is there at any stage where you would need an extra bit of help, like some sort of cream that would help? Or what would you say, keep your face as clean Absolutely. as you can? Absolutely. Mm. I would say my top tips really, and they're just simple tips that you can incorporate into your daily skincare routines, help minimize the irritation. So number one, cleansing. Okay, so you do need to thoroughly cleanse the affected areas. Okay. One thing to remember, and the mistake I see a lot of people doing, people are scrubbing. Um, their face. We're going to avoid gritty scrubs, okay, okay. such as physical exfoliants. They're your typical gritty um, scrubs that people associate with, with exfoliants. They add, um, they cause added friction. Okay. So it can actually worsen your breakouts. So it's best to use just a soft uh, face cloth or even your bare hands mm-hmm. and cleanse twice a day. If you are oily and suffering from breakouts, opt for a salicylic acid based cleanser, okay? okay? So one I love and one that's um, available in most pharmacies is the Bioderma Sebium Gel Cleanser or their Sebium Micellar Water, which Mm -hmm. is really quick and easy to use. Salicylic acid is active, okay? So it's an active acid which is going to help exfoliate dead skin cells and remove any excessive oil from the pores. So it's going to keep your skin really clean and keep your sebum production under control, which will ultimately minimize your breakouts. also, excessive cleansing mm-hmm. is a negative thing also. So cleansing twice a day is more than sufficient for most people. Okay. And I think people want quick fixes, but like that will help mm. over a number of days or weeks. Absolutely. You'll see a big difference. I would also say uh, people are either relying too heavily on a thick moisturizer or people are afraid to put any moisturizer on in case they will break out. So what I would say is use a lightweight moisturizer in the mornings to create a protective barrier between your skin and the mask, okay? So this will allow your skin barrier to remain balanced and healthy, but by choosing a lightweight one, you're not adding any excessive oil. So again, sticking with Bioderma, they do a Sensibio Light 
um, moisturizer, which is fabulous. It's created for sensitive skin, but it's very lightweight. So it's going to create that barrier for your skin without any, without adding any excessive oiliness. Okay, brilliant. And it's great to see that that's available in chemists. You know, mm. an awful lot of these sort of creams and all can have a really high price mark too. So that's quite reasonable too. Absolutely. And, you know, I would say to someone, this is now not the time to be adding any expensive or very, not even expensive, but any active new products into your routine. Simplify your skincare routine. Your skin is under a lot of pressure. It's under a lot of stress due to these masks. So you want to simplify your routine. Um, Cleansing twice a day, a lightweight moisturizer. Don't forget your sunscreen, okay? Mm -hmm. UVA rays can still penetrate masks. Um, Using a physical sunscreen, add which naturally has zinc oxide in it, is going to be natural anti-inflammatory. So it's going to bring down any inflammation. So okay. don't forget the sunscreen and wash the mask regularly. Okay, some great would be advice my top there. tips. Great. Uh, so if you are suffering from what we call now mask knee, there is some great advice there. Uh, Claude, I have to say, I am missing my facials in my life. Your, your company, um, you work for The Beacon, but also for your company is called Yuva and it offers online consultations. Have you seen an increase in this since lockdown? We certainly have. Um, so it's myself and my colleague, Dr. Edel Woods. Uh, during lockdown, we continued to offer online consultations to our clients, but we felt the online consultations were missing something. Um, they were being done over Zoom or Skype, and we just wanted to offer our patients more and give them a really thorough consultation, but online. Mm. So we've certainly see, seen a big increase in online consultations. The great thing is that you can avail of our online consultations anywhere in the country. We're both based then um, in clinics in Dublin, Cork and Killarney. So we have a presence nationally. What's been lovely is I've seen a lot of, um, say, women breastfeeding that are able to book on their online consultation. And it's, it's great they don't have to leave the house, but they're yeah. still able to look after themselves. So it's, it's quite a thorough process. When somebody books on books for an online consultation, they receive a medical questionnaire and a goals questionnaire to fill out before we see them. And then there's a very thorough consultation um, online. We get pictures beforehand. And then afterwards, they get a bespoke skincare and anti-aging planner. So the, we're big fans of taking a holistic approach, okay. um, looking at skin, muscles, fat layers. So we, we look at the anti-aging journey as a whole. OK, great. And your tagline is Yuva, youth reimagined, which I'm so intrigued by because I suppose mm. youth is the golden chalice that, that we yes. all want. And in a way, you know, there's nothing wrong with ageing. You know, we should be all so happy that Absolutely. we're ageing, especially with everything people have been going through. But I mm-hmm. suppose it's people want to look their best, don't they? Of course. And we speak a lot. Anti-aging is obviously a term that everybody is familiar with. Yeah, it's I such an 80s term, the, isn't it? It's yes, such a 1980s it's term. Absolutely. So I often use the term pro-aging, which just mm. means that we're all going to age. We just want to look the very best for our age. So that's where the tagline Youth Reimagined came about. We're not trying to make a 40-year-old look like a 20-year-old. We're trying mm. to make a 40-year-old as confident as they can be in their own skin. So when we reimagine youth, we just try to reimagine the whole concept and allow people to age gracefully. Um, in aesthetics, people are always conscious. They, they want to age gracefully. So we want to help them um, 
age as graceful as they can, but just slow down the process and yeah. make it a positive process yeah. for the patient. Good to hear. I've been watching, I'm a bit of a Real Housewives fan. Oh, <laughs> I got into it myself <laughs> over lockdown. Oh, it's very easy to get sucked into it, but I'm watching both Absolutely. the new season and then all the really old ones on Netflix and it's actually yes. crazy to <gasps> see the amount of work that some of those I people have had done in know. 10 years. Mm. You know, I think they just become desensitized in those yes. kind of environments. So I'm on season two, but my okay. mom is on season nine. Yes. And I happened to go up to her house the last day and I saw an episode and I honestly didn't recognize them. So, um, it so is. what's and bad work then? People. And what are you seeing on those sort of people that's bad? Like some of them, um, like I'm thinking of Lisa Vanderpump, for example. I think she looks mm. fabulous. But other people would think, no, no, that's not. Like, I honestly think she looks great. But some of them then look so frozen and chipmunky almost. Absolutely. So that has a lot to do with it, I suppose, with the regularity of their treatments. We would be big fans of um, seeing patients, you know, max three, four times a year, uh, keeping people natural looking. I suppose those frozen faces and those chipmunk faces and those duck lips that you see are unfortunately the very bad results. Okay. And as a result, it's it's what people see and it's what people think is, is going to be the result. There are people walking around all around us great work that is subtle and you don't think they've had anything done but you think they look great for their age and that they may have had plenty of fillers and Botox etc but it's just work done nicely and in a subtle way um, but as I said unfortunately you see these women and you think that's going to be the result for everyone yes. but it certainly isn't okay. they've just gone a little bit overboard and as I said I think they become desensitised in that environment that it becomes the norm so quickly and they've lots so, of money as well obviously mm, mm. oh is it my lifelong mission is to try and get rid of the taboo associated with fillers and Botox etc because done well they can be really beautifully natural and, and as I said they can help you age gracefully there's yeah. nothing graceful about ageing so yeah. a little bit of help can certainly help yeah exactly well good to hear and also great to hear some advice for people if they are suffering from what we are now calling mask knee that is acne caused by the mask that we have to wear mm. at the moment um, Dr. Cloda thank you so much for talking to me You're this so morning welcome. it was a pleasure so if you want to check out Cloda's business it's it's yuva.com but she's also on Instagram and that is Dr. Cloda O'Shea if you search for her there. Clodagh, thank you so much for talking to me this morning. You're very welcome. Have a lovely day. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. Well, Nemeton are holding a virtual open session for their award-winning higher diploma in television and media production this month. Dr. Maura Sweeney is the course leader and she's on the phone this morning to tell us more. You're very welcome to the Sunday Grill, Maura. Good morning. Now, you'll Great have to, to tell us, here. there might be some people who don't know what Nemeton is. Explain to us what Nemeton is to start with. Okay, well, Nemeton TV is um, a television production company and um, they've been making the vast majority of TG Cahar's, um sports coverage for the last oh, more than 20 years now, 25 years, 24 years. And so people will know some of the programmes, for instance, GAABO, and Laker Gale. So any club matches or league matches that you're watching on TG Cahar, Nimiton Television will have made these. So we're based over in on Rhine, the Gale Tucked, um, in West Waterford. Okay. And that's where we run the course from. The vast majority of our modules are run from the television production company. But we're actually accredited um, through Waterford Institute of Technology. So we do do a couple of the modules there as well. Okay. And when did the course start? Is it, has it always gone hand-in-hand hand with Nemeton or is it a relatively new course? 
No, um, Nemeton was up and running about 10 or 12 years when it was clear that people needed to be trained. And, and initially it was to just try and get a good cohort of local people, uh, you know, from Waterford, Kilkenny, Cork, um, who were trained and who could work in the organisation and bilingually trained. And But of course, it, it, that was way back in 2006. It's completely expanded way beyond that now. People come from all over the country and you know, there will always be, you know, one or two people. Actually, the first year we did the course, seven people walked straight into work in Nemeton and mm-hmm. stayed for many, many years. And um, some are still there. Um, every year there are usually, um, you know, some people will end up working in, in Nemeton. But they go off now and work in all of the other many production companies in Irish and in English throughout the country who work through Irish and English throughout the country. So they, they'll go up and get jobs and teach Cahar or in some of the production companies in Connemara or Kerry or in Dublin, like Tyrone Productions. Quite a few of the students, the former students, work with Tyrone Productions who make Ross Naroon. And then they also do quite a lot of um, RTE um, stuff like David Brophy's choir and things like mm. that. So it's very, very broad now. We have people from all over the country. Some people come and stay. Some people travel every day. And it, it, it's completely transformed. Yeah. So but so it's 14 years. We're into our 14th, 15th year now. And a very unusual year this year, obviously, with everything going on. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Um, as you know yourself, Orla, um, um, most lecturers and courses had to go from being in classroom or in workshop scenarios to going online. Mm. So fortunately, in our case, the, the students had already filmed all of their main project. They make a, a drama, a documentary in the second term, and all of them had shot all of the footage, thank goodness. And we'd al- already had a couple of weeks in-house um, in Nemeton where we were laying the first timeline. So it if, if it could have happened for us at any time, it couldn't have been a better moment to just literally have to give the students mm. the, the Apple Macs and send them home. But as you probably know yourself, we were able to remotely um, uh, work with them all of that time. We used uh, everything, every application available to us that helped. But we were actually able to work very closely in the editing process with the students. So we see now that we are capable of working both practical in a blended way, both practically and um with the online scenario. So we're going to continue with that. That's all things going well, obviously, but mm-hmm. that's our plan. And um, I think we'll be grand with that, but we're not a big course, you know. So we will mix and match blended learning, flexible blended learning, a couple of days workshops um, in-house okay. and then a day online. So that would work in a way for people who could be based anywhere in the southeast and beyond um, that they don't massively need to think about a commute or living close to on Ryan in West Washford. It absolutely it suits anyone who's able to who's happy to travel for a couple of the days, um, but then can do the remainder of the work at home. Yeah, absolutely, it'll suit. I mean, there's like I said, there's such a broad um, uh, net really. We every year we have people coming down from and some of them travel every day or travel and stay one night. Mm. You know. Um, and then obviously do the rest from home. So, you know, we do get people who will happily travel from everywhere, like Wexford, Clonmel, Cork. You know, they'll come on the bus or they'll mm-hmm. drive. They'll do w- one or two days practical and maybe stay overnight or maybe go home, you know, and come back the next day. And then they'll do the rest at home. So, okay. yeah. So in a funny kind of way, it could appeal more you know, get a broader net of people this year. And I presume you're not doing this course to better your Irish, that you need a good level of Irish to start on this course. 
Well, we we ask um, if that you have an honours um, leaving cert, and um, or if you don't have that and you have fluent Irish, um, we do offer um, Irish classes, Irish language classes, mm-hmm. to just bring you back up to speed. For instance, if you're out of practice, which you know many people are. So if you did do your leaving cert and you haven't spoken it for a few years, we do do an immerse uh, an immersement early on. We'll obviously do that online this year. And then throughout the whole course, we have Irish language workshops. So we, the whole point is, you know, to make sure that you're up to speed when we start with your Irish and you're comfortable. And and then it will just improve naturally. Anybody who's ever had any Irish or, you know, gone to the Gaeltacht or summer school or anything like that, it's amazing how quickly once you're there working with it every day that it just comes back. Yeah, of course. It's uh, never been an impediment, put it like that. Okay, yeah. good stuff. Well, you're holding a virtual open session this coming Wednesday. That's August the 26th between 6.30 and 7.30. And um, if you just go that's on right. to WIT forward slash events, you can find out more details there. And I presume that's when people will find out what happens in the course and what they can expect. That's absolutely it, Orla. Um so it's actually a, it's a mixed session. It's a session for those who are already signed up, mm-hmm. you know, who just want to have a, a check in and, you know, further information altogether. And then there are um, a few people who are interested and it'll help them. And then it could be people we haven't come across at all yet who might just come along to see what's going on because we do have a couple of places left on the course. OK, brilliant. Well, if you are interested in that higher diploma in television and media production, a one year diploma. So you're going through the whole academic year and um, carrying out this dipl- diploma. You can go on to WIT's website and search for their events section or you can go on to Nemeton either. It's nemeton.ie. Maura, thank you so much for talking to us this morning. My pleasure, Orla. Lovely to talk to you too and have a good day. That was Dr. Maura Sweeney. She's the course leader of that higher diploma in television and media production at Nemeton. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. Well, we're gearing up to return to school and for a cohort of 12 and 13 year olds, this must be an anxious time as they move from primary to secondary school. Karina McAvoy is a child and adolescence therapist based in North Wexford and she's produced an information and advice packed video to help children as they transition to a new school. Karina's on the phone this morning to tell us more. Hi, Karina. Good morning, Orla. How are you doing? I'm very good, thank you. Well, this is an anxious time in in even normal times, isn't it? Going from, you know, usually quite a small class to a big secondary school. I I remember it so well. I think it's something that has lasting memories for everyone. Yeah, really, really anxious time. But it's a time where it's actually really really normal to be anxious, Orla. You know, those butterflies walking up to a brand new school, Mm. like every single student is going to feel those nerves. Uh, Pre-COVID, I was in a number of schools in the area doing a school completion program with the sixth class students, working through those nerves, working through those normal fears, anxiety, concerns. And even pre-COVID, there was a lot of normal concerns that the sixth class were having. So when we all went home in March, my heart just went out to them because everything just stopped. And then when the announcement came through that they weren't getting back into school, I just thought, wow, like what, you know, what a bummer for those guys. Mm -hmm. Because not only did they have the the concerns, but also they didn't have their ending. They didn't have those ceremonies that ended 
their primary school education. Yeah, yeah. and you need that. You need that kind of end of times and move on to something else. What were their concerns? What kind of concerns would a 12-year-old have going into secondary school? Well, funnily enough, in every school that I was in, and I was in six different primary schools, all the concerns were exactly the same. And they ranged from, number one, actually, was friendships. Changes of friendships, leaving friends behind, friends going to different schools, making new friends, um, the, the daunting prospect of having to make new friends, that was number one. Mm. Number two then was the workload. Um, are we going to be able for this workload? Are we going to be able for the homework? Are we going to be able for the new subjects? So the workload was definitely on, on the mind of a lot of the kids. Okay. And then number three seemed to be the logistics of a new school. Now, you know, here in Rexford, we have two very big schools, yep. but core community school, if it's not the biggest, it's definitely the second biggest school mm-hmm. in Ireland. So the logistics of going to a new school, of having a locker, of having to move around to different classrooms, different teachers, that was very daunting. And then going from being the the oldest class in primary school back to being the youngest class in secondary school and fear of bullying and things like Mm. that. So they seem to be the main concerns. God, doesn't it almost feel, sound, Karina, like your first day in a new job? Yeah, even when you're saying that, like, where do I go? Who will I meet? You know, and imagine being 12 or 13, you're heading into puberty. There must be just so many emotions. And then having the fears and, you know, half listening to the news, not really being very tuned into a pandemic. It's just such a tough time for them. It is. And as you say, like the age, the hormones, um, we like if we're going into a new job, at least we have life experience behind us. Whereas, you know, they don't have that life experience. They're not going in with a world of uh, social skills or conversation skills. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be very daunting to even go into a new classroom, sit down beside someone and say hi at okay. that age. Totally. You know? Well, you yeah. have produced a video to help with that. Tell us what you've done with this video. Yeah. So I contacted some really great professionals in their field. So Clara Kirk is one of the teachers in St. Joseph's. She has been a sixth class teacher now um, many times. She's had different classes. But when I was in St. Joseph's this year, um, she was a sixth class student. So Mm -hmm. she is speaking to students. So it's not just for this area. It's for for all schools, basically. So she's speaking to the students about the COVID um, and about the transition into first year and giving lots of support and advice. And then we have a secondary school teacher from Dublin who is also a homeschool liaison teacher. So not only is she very much aware of the school, the, the impact of moving into a new school, but she has that deeper, I suppose, understanding of the homeschool side of things. Um, and then we have a guidance counsellor from Gory Community School, and she is giving so much good practical tips and advice for moving into first year. And then we have a deputy principal, from one of the schools here in Gorey as well, again, giving really good practical advice, practical information about what to do, where to go, stuff like that when you come in. Especially given this year. Yeah, and especially given this year with the COVID, like what to expect. Mm -hmm. And I think think the video in itself from those four educational professionals is brilliant because a lot of what we fear is 
in the future. It hasn't even happened yet. Yeah. So a lot of those fears that are going around in the heads of the incoming first years is, is stuff that hasn't even happened. Mm-hmm. So knowing what to expect, that's going to take a lot of that fear away. And then I'm on the video just discussing how to deal with those very normal nerves, those butterflies in the tummy, the beating heart, just a few little tips on how to manage those. And then the overall basic um, foundations of mental health and physical health and looking after those four basic foundations um, of physical and mental health to keep the child going for the year or to keep the teenager going for the entire year. Brilliant. Um, some really good advice on it. And as you said, advice, you know, for, for any child going into a class and the anxiety that they feel. And I even learned something from myself in it as well. If you want to check out Karina's website, it's com. Uh, Karina, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Great. Thank you, Orla. Lovely talking to you again. The Sunday Grill with Crane and Crane Insurance. To compare motor and home insurance quotes across multiple different insurers, see craneandcrane.ie.